0: Dwells here. And then we by the pack, so we them. And even if you don't, then you do cause you're cool with them. They be like I only went to school with them. Let's get
1: it. Welcome to Color Correction, a GCC podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew, I'm Asian. I use he him pronouns.
0: And I'm Bethany. I am black and I use she her pronouns.
2: I'm Chris. I'm white. I use he, him pronouns.
1: We'd like to start out our podcast by talking about stuff that we want to correct or stuff that we wish we had mentioned in previous podcasts.
0: Yeah. So in the last episode, which just by the way, y'all, that last episode got so many listens. Mm. Um, it got 850 listens since it out. As of this
1: recording, yeah
0: as of this recording. So thank you all to everybody that reposted it, shared it. We really appreciate all of you new listeners. But in that episode, I was super fired up and I said, I remember what you did to Anita Hill Biden. I totally don't remember that, right? Like I'm aware of it, but I don't remember it because it happened in 1991 and I was born in 1990. So, uh, so, it's I felt in our collective like, memory. Yes. yes. So when I listened to it, I was like, "Come on, Bethany, you don't actually remember that. You're fully aware of that." So I felt like that was an important um, correction.
2: Mm. Um, in the in the realm of minor corrections, we we talked about Jesus's interaction with the Canaanite woman, where he called her a dog. Um, Johnny Rashid our offered this. Little slice of theology, or um, really translation, and that is that the word Jesus used translates better to little dog, maybe puppy.
0: Fuck all that. I still feel the same.
2: <clears throat>
1: yeah, that, I have heard I people not, say that. I, ha- I have I was people not bring that up. The way you feel. <laughs> I mean, I have people. I have heard people bring that up in an attempt to kind of let Jesus off the hook by saying that maybe what he's saying isn't as bad as what he was actually saying, but. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of with you, Bethany. Um, Speaking of Johnny Rashid, um, (laughs) I wanted to bring up something that I said on the live stream, which is uh, I said something about how um, sometimes um, violence in a demonstration is perpetrated by infiltrators or something like that. What I was thinking about is something that we think about in the legal collective that I'm with, which is that sometimes in the past, the police have uh, sent people into demonstrations or into organizing meetings to kind of find out what's going on. And there have been uh, reports of sometimes violence being instigated by people like that. However, Mm -hmm. I when I was listening back on that, I want to acknowledge that there's also a history of people blaming uh, things on outside influences Mm -hmm. on agitators. That is, that's not really fair to the people that are acting and actually actually removes agency from the people that are acting, you know, absolutely. So the reason I'm talking about Johnny is because I think he did write a really good blog post on his blog, More Than Self-Expression, called Focusing on the Riots is Avoiding the Real Problem, Police Brutality. Where uh, Johnny actually called out something that I think was important for me to acknowledge, which is that looking at the riots, is it's its not a matter of judging them from a utilitarian perspective. The thing I should be thinking about is not how effective is the riot as a way of demonstrating. It's why are people rioting? Why? What are the emotions behind it and the circumstances behind it? Yeah. That so, part. I really appreciated Johnny's blog post. I encourage everyone to check it out. So we were re- super excited to get a response from one of our listeners. And we like to read the messages that people have been sending us in a segment that we like to call Speak Up.
0: So uh, one of our new listeners said on our Facebook page, found this podcast while searching for Jesus Jesusy podcast that also supported Black Lives Matter. And wouldn't you know it, I found a Jesusy podcast that supported and talked about race relations, and is not only interesting to listen to, but whose hosts are so authentic. I literally stopped walking and just listened to the most recent episode. The one I found you guys because of, which is why for my one mile walk that day, it said it took me way longer than it should have. So glad I found this podcast. Can't wait to go back and listen to prior episodes. So yeah. We're super excited to keep on producing this podcast and meeting new people that are doing what we've been talking about, working at the intersections of race, racism, anti-racism and their faith.
1: And in addition to all those new listeners, I think we're in a weird historical moment where all of a sudden anti-racism, police brutality, black lives are just on the forefront of everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And that being the case, a ton of people have started listening to our podcast. A ton of people have started um texting me, and I know be pe- texting you, Bethany, asking stuff of like how can they help or where can they donate money? Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that. So I thought it would be interesting in this episode to explore that idea, the idea of um helpful white people and uh process that phenomenon and how we feel about it. So Bethany, do you want to tell me what so what's been your experience of this past week or so?
0: So the day that all of the riots started happening, which at this point was what, two Saturdays ago, mm-hmm. I got so many text messages from white people kind of, um, reassuring me of my black goodness, <laughs>
1: what does that mean
0: so i like one person texted me and was like i really appreciate everything that you bring to this community thank you for being you bethany another person now i actually really appreciated this text message because Mm -hmm. it was from um a colleague in my workplace and i can always tell that we really enjoy each other and would probably be friends outside of work but we never want to like violate any work boundaries but he texted me and was like bethany i really appreciate all the things that you do and i care about you and i want you to know that like i see you and if there's anything i can ever do for you you can let me know and i was Mm -hmm. like fuck right yeah thank you um and one of the funniest messages that i got was from one of my white classmates who messaged me on facebook and was like you know every time i want to post Something on Facebook. Now, mind you, she usually posts kind of uh, conservative things. like, And this, is, and this we... is
2: also what she actually sounds like.
0: <laughs> 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 Why can't we go out during the coronavirus? Or <laughs> we need more guns. Blah, blah, blah. Like She posts stuff like that. So I have mm. an idea of what she probably wants to post. Mm. But she said, um, every time I want to post something about race, I think of you. And I'd never want to disappoint you. (laughs) AKA, if your black ass wasn't my Facebook friend, I'd post some racist shit, but I don't want to upset you, Bethany. (laughs) Uh So I got so many messages. Some I was just like, okay, I think this is kind of your whiteness coming up and you want to feel good, especially folks that said you don't have to respond. Um, And then some of it was just like really sincerely like, yo, it's hard being black today. And I see you. Mm. How about you, Andrew? What did you get?
1: I got messages from people that were asking me about my opinion or asking me resources or things they should read, for instance, Mm -hmm. or where they should donate money to. Honestly, I I mean, for the most part, yeah, a lot of these people are friends of mine or people I have a relationship with. So I don't feel that bad or i don't feel too burdened by them asking me because they're my friends and i'm glad that they have me to ask however i do want to talk about this weird kind of moment where everybody is um where everybody yeah everybody's just jumping on on this kind of on the anti-racist bandwagon here i mean chris what's been your experience
2: i mean i just i just noticed in um and all the social media feeds, like people who are generally like posting pictures of their vacations and the things they're cooking, like have a protest photo or like, uh, some kind of a, like a black lives matter thing or, um, or even like resource, like actually like one of the things I've seen that's been, been kind of cool is like people are sharing like, Hey, you should read these books kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So like, but it is like, they're like, there's a huge influx of of like very targeted um, posts, I guess.
1: Yeah,
0: I guess it my f- feels trendy. Yeah. It does. Well, it like does. Being anti-racist is like the new. Um, what was that challenge for AL, ALS? A couple the ice of years ago. Challenge. Mm, That's what boy. it almost feels like. It feels like Black Lives Matter is the new ice bucket challenge. Well, and yeah. there was an ice actual Trump
2: like social, social media trend, media.
0: yeah.
1: Well, and uh, th- uh, wait, what trend?
2: The the blackout trend.
1: Oh, blackout like Tuesday. The... Yeah, right. Which actually got criticized because it it started to block out actual news. Like I right. logged on to our uh, our sound our SoundCloud to to like do some podcast stuff, and everything was blacked out. And I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> <laughs> Thing, yeah, yeah, because
0: that was the day where I noticed. Oh, we're getting a lot of listens, and everything was kind of scribbled out, and I was like, "Why is?" this
1: Yeah, thing? I was like, "Don't do that. We want like amplify our podcast. Don't blank right. it out.
2: Right.
1: Like, <laughs> why? Um, this, well,
2: Like this of all all days and all times. Like, why are we like suddenly going silent?" Right.
1: So I want to I want to talk about that trendiness because I feel like whenever something like this happens. And I mean, stuff like this has happened, obviously stuff like this has happened, but uh, I, f- I feel like there. this is definitely, this feels bigger than it e- has in the past.
0: Absolutely. But,
1: yeah, for sure. But every time it does happen and there's a kind of renewed interest in the ra- racial reality of this country, I do always start to get worried uh, that this attention is going to be kind of fleeting or the people that are super into it now and are potential resources or potential... Uh, allies um mm-hmm. are not going to be there for us uh you know tomorrow or come or or next month or or the next time we need them i mean mm-hmm. do you guys do you guys have, have this anxiety or do you feel the same way absolutely absolutely
2: absolutely it
0: can't be sustainable i've already mm-hmm. decided that it is not yeah not this type of energy you know what i mean like right. when somebody takes off running real fast you know they're going to slow down eventually Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about this, like, um, push towards anti-racism and push towards, um, like, supporting Black Lives Matter. Like, I feel like we're taking off running and I feel like we're going to get somewhere, but I feel like we're going to stay there and there's going to be a new battle in that mm-hmm. space.
1: Yeah. Jesus tells a story about the parable of the sower and he talks about the seeds laying on different kinds of soil. And one of the soil he talks about is, um, is is it is that the soil is shallow, so the plant grows up really fast, but it has no roots, so that it dies when the sun comes out. Um, sometimes that's how I feel about like moments like this, like all all of a sudden there's all this new growth,
2: but it's I'm really just shallow. Say
0: that that triggers me because all of my house plants died this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: So. I feel some type of way about that. They weren't in the good earth. They weren't on the good earth. Not with me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's what I think about. So I guess what I'm, what I want to explore in this episode is because a lot of this attention, and this is definitely geared to, I'm definitely addressing the issue of white people here Mm -hmm. because for people of color, for black indigenous persons of color in this country, race is a day-to-day reality. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's never trendy. Like, I, I think especially for those of us who are in the struggle day after day, nothing – it didn't – Breonna Taylor and George Floyd didn't really feel exceptional. It felt like another thing. But for whatever weird mix of media reasons and whatever's happening in the world, it got to everybody's attention. So what felt like another example of injustice to us, it became – felt like a sea change for everybody, for for all, for all a lot of people that don't live in this world, especially white people. Mm -hmm. I
0: even feel a tension about mm -hmm. why this is getting so much attention at Mm -hmm. this moment. I feel frustrated that it took a global pandemic that has shut the world down and Mm. made people slow down and be available to listen. Um, I feel frustrated that it took that to get people to listen. and yeah. I also feel this weird tension about the, um, almost like the conditions or the way in which George Floyd um, was killed. And I'm going to caution what I say with this, the way that he died and the moments before his death and the things that he expressed before his death were 100% valid. Um and I'm not, what the next thing that I'm going to say is not going to take away from that. But I find it very interesting, the focus on um, the fact that he cried out for his mother and how so many people, particularly white women, have focused on that language because white people have a tendency to infantilize mm. and look down upon people of color, but particularly black people. Mm. And I wonder if that type of death connects with them as opposed to Sandy Bland who was like I'm not putting my fucking cigarette out mm-hmm. or as opposed to um Eric Garner who was a big big kind of burly black man or as opposed to Mike Brown that was like um defending himself. Mm-hmm. I wonder or if who had, who had a gun. Who had a gun, right? Like I wonder if that Um, the way in which white supremacy shows up in infantilization of black people. I wonder if that's why this is finally the death because he expressed calling out for his mom. If that's, if white supremacy, the nuance of white supremacy is the reason why white people are resonating with this one.
1: Hmm. That's so interesting. I hadn't really thought about the critique, but it makes a lot of sense. And in this moment where so many people Here's the thing, like I totally get what you're saying, and at the same time, like I, I as I've been out at the demonstrations and stuff, I have seen like not everyone is at the same place, like there are signs that are kind of weirdly problematic like at the demo like on Saturday, there was a guy carrying a sign that said like that said something like uh music wouldn't be any good without black lives or something." <laughs> Really, like that's your that's your point. Like that's your black lives are worth are are matter to you because oh man, like like, that's not great. That's not a great attitude. Not a great thing to put on the song. What would
0: I do without Lil john What? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: So I mean, we're getting all these weird examples of kind of questionable allyship. Uh, I I I have to acknowledge this. We one of the weird things about watching Netflix. I think over this past weekend was the fact that the help was like the number one movie.
2: Oh Oh my God. I was horrified.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was like, Oh, I I was like, why is the help? And then I was like, Uh Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just really,
2: um, um, I get, I get it. And, but also go watch yeah. Lovebirds, even though I didn't like it. It's a way better movie than the hell. <laughs> if, well,
0: you're ga- if you're going to watch something, watch reality, right? And not a distant reality, right? Yeah. Watch When They See Us that just happened, okay, well, 30 years ago. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Watch 13th that talks about oh, yeah, what's for happening sure. right fucking now. And you both of those watch-
1: movies, by the way, Netflix yeah. was, uh, recommended on their when you log into Netflix, you'll see like a Black Lives Matter. Here's some movies that we recommend instead of the help. I guess things got so bad that Netflix had to intervene. But <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: not well, like You it know down. it's bad when, it ne- when... So much.
1: Yeah. Okay. In this moment where Black Lives Matter has somehow managed to get trendy, we're identifying some kind of problematic aspects of white allyship. And that is that um, white people haven't really thought about these issues. So... So that they had their unexamined biases, like Bethany, what you were saying about how maybe the reason George Floyd is, is his death has made an impact is because of the infantilization of black people. So there are some unexamined biases and stuff. So I do want to talk a little bit more about that because a lot of our work has to do, I don't know how else to put it, but helping white people realize yeah. that they're racist
0: Go to a predominantly white church.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about that, but before we do that, Why don't we have our very first business break?
0: All right, y'all, we have a new segment that we're calling the BIPOC Black Indigenous Person of Color um, Business Break, because things are really hard right now during COVID-19 and small businesses, particularly BIPOC small businesses um, are struggling to stay afloat. So we want to highlight some dope businesses that we're in community with. So this week's BIPOC business break is featuring Sididi Hippie. And they were a vendor at our annual um, Turn Up to Bell Out Festival. So if you're looking for some natural products like room and body sprays, natural deodorants, and even candles, buy from Sididi Hippie, a business um, from Delaware that is owned by a black woman. So if you need any of those awesome goods, I got an amazing candle um, from her maybe about a year ago, um, and I loved it. So if you need any of those products, go ahead and visit Sididi Hippie. Dot com and that's s-a-d-i-d-d-y-h-i-p-p-i-e.com today
1: wow i feel so legit right
2: now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're a real podcast <laughs> you guys what, andrew is beaming
0: what, what a moment
1: uh-huh <laughs> So, all the things that we've been talking about here surface in our day-to-day work when we're talking about teaching white people about anti-racism. I think all of it is kind of tied to the fundamental issue that we come across over and over again, which is it's hard to get people in general, maybe especially white people, to acknowledge that they are racist. If we want to put it in a nice way, that they have certain implicit biases or certain prejudices that color the way they move through the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we wanna talk a little bit about our experience with this?
0: I find it really hard not to center whiteness in the way I navigate the world. And that feels so, uh, it feels so problematic, but it also feels so inherent. Like I've been wanting to post something on Facebook all week speaking directly to white people, but because people of color and particularly black people are suffering so much, I want to focus on my people and I want to love my people. And I have to intentionally choose to do that because my natural response is to speak to white people and to center whiteness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. And I think about the same thing. Like I am always thinking about like, how is this going to come across to white people?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Especially how can like,
0: I speak to white people? Well,
1: yeah. And it is hard because I think we need uh, for instance if you w- if you went out to a demonstration in the past week probably a good a, 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 I would say more than half of the crowd is white maybe 60 mm, to 70% right. and there are reasons why you get more white white people at a demonstration uh, for instance white people have the free time mm-hmm. or and they can afford to take off work for instance or they have transportation like they shut center city down you couldn't get public transit in mm-hmm. uh, so on Saturday, for instance, so there are reasons you see more white faces at those demonstrations. Having said that, I think it's important for as many people to, for people who were comfortable to come out to come out, and that was at white people. And I don't want to turn down um, that. I, I don't want to turn down that support. I think that support is important.
0: Absolutely, it is, yeah. and I think we're doing a lot of speaking to the tensions of the present moment, right, and the mm-hmm. tensions of how white supremacy and whiteness is inherently a part of everything it's in the air that we that we breathe right mm-hmm. so like we don't want white people to stop doing what they're doing but there's tensions and caveats to it that oh, we're yeah. speaking to
2: uh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, white
1: guy. <laughs> Chris? Well, let's hear from you, Chris, because I do we're we're here talking about this tension of it's even hard for me to phrase this because I don't want to be like we need white people to help us. It's what kind we of,
0: do, yeah, right? but we do. Yeah, but we kinda of do. They're the power yeah. structure. Right. Like, yeah. Because of white supremacy yeah. and because of systems that are structured to center whiteness mm-hmm. and to uphold whiteness we do need white people to start choosing to tear that down and, and out of that. Yeah, so like, yeah, that sucks yeah. to say it, but it's also the very reality of our American lives.
2: Yeah. But also like the question from white people to, to people of color, what do we do is super unhelpful. Um, and it can be, and like lobs the lobs, the racism ball back in your court like you take care of us to take care of this like right like we we know there's a problem but that's as far as we're gonna take it we we are we're comfortable in the knowledge but we don't want to we don't actually want to do something this is trendy right now hey mm-hmm. yeah i feel that i i am i'm having a lot of difficult conversations with white friends and family right now um sometimes i scream into a pillow <laughs> Um, and I, I think the, I think the frustration I feel, which like, I, I if I'm feeling, it, I'm like, how do like my, mm-hmm. my friends who are people of color feel? I just like, I, this, this like waking up that's happened right now, there is this moment to like capitalize on and encourage new white people into this reality. And you have mm-hmm. to, and you have to be so delicate about them because you don't want them to shrivel away and um, resume their their daily lives because someone hurt their feelings right. along the way.
1: Yeah, and having to juggle that is just so annoying.
0: So I annoying. Think it's I think I think you mm. used the language ministry before we started recording. Like me being in a predominantly white faith community I view this as very much so missional. I very much so believe, right? And I've I've had people confirm for me that like God is calling me into this thing and I'm yeah. moving in faith that God has called me to this. I don't think every person of color, indigenous person or black person is called to this. And I say, do you boo boo? Mm-hmm. You ain't gotta do it. But I feel right. that. That's right. I feel that I'm called to this I also feel like white people need to recognize that people of color that are called to the mission of racial reconciliation um, and working alongside them in anti-racism are gifting them, right? Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. thing ain't easy. Don't ever think it's easy. Don't ever think, honestly, don't ever think that I want to teach you anything. Like I just <laughs> want to chill and watch jackie on a youtube video like work, this concert. labor in tiny desk concerts. <laughs> yeah. right. um this
2: labor is a gift yeah, yeah.
1: i think the scripture is with you here i mean in james's letter he says that not everyone should become teachers uh and i think Absolutely. that's totally true like not right. everyone has is called to do this because it is hard and can it be exhausting and not everyone should aspire to it and maybe you, you your gift is something else and that's perfectly fine
2: yeah uh, and I, I like i want to preface the or like maybe put a cap on the things you're saying by when you're talking about like not everybody needs to teach we are talking about people of color here the, the fact is that like white people as a unit need to step up to the plate
0: absolutely like,
2: they're not talking to white people when they say those things
0: absolutely yeah yeah we're only talking to people of color when we say this doesn't have to be your gift thing. but Mm -hmm. i think for white supremacy to be torn down we need more white people to be doing this labor
1: so let's talk more about that so for people who are beginning this what is our advice to them on how to sustain this what is really a faith journey Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean we have seen people get super interested or super interest yeah i'll say this Uh, we have seen people get super interested in the idea of racial justice and then become exhausted and and leave it by the wayside or retreat because white people have the privilege of being able to just hide from racism um so what can white people do to make this sustainable i guess is my question
0: i think the first thing that white people have to do is recognize that this is a lifelong journey and you will never arrive right racism I have used this language so many times this week, but racism and white supremacy is so sinister. I think of um, the TBN cartoons that came on on Saturdays. um, And I can remember this one uh, cartoon that was telling the story of Adam and Eve. And I can imagine this snake just like sneakily slithering through the Garden of Eden, right? And just kind of like, making his way um to adam and eve and that's what i think of when i think of um white supremacy and racism that it's this thing that kind of just like sneakily makes its way into your life and it keeps sneakily showing up in different forms Mm -hmm. um yes yeah, throughout it, it will keep sneakily showing up in mm-hmm. different forms throughout your life. So when you think you've worked through one thing, racism is going to show up and white supremacy is going to show up in a different way. You're going to have to start working through it in that way as well. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in, in every way, this is when Beth was talking about running, she's right. This is, this is a marathon like in the, in the, the moment we're kind of at right now might, might look like the, like, the last mile in this like journey to the end of racism. It is not, it absolutely is not. And, and we may get stuck at this pinnacle if we think that like the many changes that have taken place in the last couple of weeks are the pinnacle. Um, you know, like things, things are going to happen. Like work is going to open up. Restaurants are going to open up. Like we're going to be able to start going back to our lives before COVID there's going to be plenty of opportunities once the news cycle like sort of quiets down and moves on for us to forget that this is still happening.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we have to take that seriously. Like I think one of the things white people need to do is get prepared to dig their heels in when nobody's talking about George Floyd anymore. And um, I think
0: there's a few different, I feel like there are a few different ways to start moving towards that. Absolutely. And I think some of our suggestions are very preliminary steps.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the, some of the things that like we've, we've read and watched. Um, I'm also like, I'm, I'm thinking about conversations I've had with um, with loved ones where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing this work by myself. Like in my community, I don't really know how to connect with other people who are doing this. I mm-hmm. I do want to identify that that is, that is a real issue. And I, I absolutely do not think you can do this work by yourself. You can you can read, you can get educated, but like at some point you need to be in community. And I'm actually talking about like white people finding other white people who want to do the work. That's interesting. So you would suggest that they, what, join a book club? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As a start, you know, mm-hmm. like foment those kind of relationships that like mi- might build into a movement that might identify ways to support that have some good thinking behind them Mm -hmm. that are just motivated by good intention
1: yeah i realized that when i said white people should form a book club that came across as a little bit condescending
0: it did yeah
1: Um, i apologize for coming across as 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 being a little (laughs) snarky chris i think it's coming from a place because i'm if i have i have been recommending books this week to my white friends who have asked and a part of me is like i don't know how far this is gonna get you totally. i don't know how good this is gonna be totally. and i think your suggestion, chris of making sure that you're not alone in exploring these ideas i think it's a pretty good one i i do get a little bit and i've said this before i do get a little bit worried sometimes when white people are just talking to other white people
2: <laughs> right i guess i mean the, the, the reason I, I i use it at the start is like mm-hmm. the, like the first thing white people need to do is is understand racism and understand why it's so egregious to like go out and make a black prince, so you can have a conversation about racism there's a lot of problems with that thinking mm-hmm. because you're really just like you're you're really just extracting labor yes and, that's,
0: and we have as a country historically yeah. expected the free labor of black yeah. bodies that's mm-hmm. intellectual looting
2: Mm -hmm. right that's not a relationship
1: yeah definitely i think my the most of the requests i have been hit with in the past couple of weeks probably the one i like least is can you recommend an anti-racism training to me um (laughs) not that i have anything against anti-racism trainings but i just think that sometimes that question or that thinking comes with a bunch of assumptions or suppositions like the training itself will be enough Mm -hmm. that a bunch of Black people or persons of color are going to come and do this labor for us to get rid of our racism and that the work can be done without completely transactionally, like we'll pay a Black person to do a racism cleaning and then we'll be free of our racism. Um, And
0: that's how capitalism shows up in white supremacy, that if I pay enough money, I'll be satisfied with this product and who I am. mm -hmm. And that's why I started this with white people have to recognize that this is a lifelong journey of anti-racism and that you will never arrive.
2: Yeah. Stop asking that question. mm
0: -hmm. I think the question to ask is where can I start?
2: That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good question. How would you answer that?
0: Well, you know where you can start? (laughs) I really like a few podcasts that talk about race. One is a, this podcast, and you should like us on our Facebook page, Color Correction Podcast.
2: Yeah. First of all, um, do not make us a trend. Go back and listen to our episodes and keep listening.
0: You should make us a trend, though.
2: Yeah, I would.
1: I won't say no to a trend.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I mean, not not a not a not like a flash in the pan trend.
0: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We want hashtag stay black little mermaid to be sustainable. Yes. Um, code switch is a podcast that I really like mm, because yeah. they tell a lot of different stories of the ways in which um, race and white supremacy show up. So um, I highly suggest uh, code switch. And um, one of the one of the hosts is from Philly, Gene Demby. Um yeah. And also, I think it's important for white people not to just stay stuck in the lamentations of people of color's stories, mm-hmm. but to also really immerse themselves in celebratory stories or just really relatable stories. One of my favorite podcasts that I think does a great job of putting a modern twist on the um, on the oral like diaspora for black folks of like the oral tradition of telling stories is you had me at black, Mm. one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. And it's just black folks telling stories. Some of them are tragic. Some of them are funny as hell, but it's just black people telling stories. And I, I love it
1: so nice. i think it's a good start yeah in addition to podcasts uh, we as the circle mobilizing team have encouraged our church to read a bunch of books and uh, a lot of these have have spurred a lot of really useful and interesting discussion um mm-hmm. wh- white fragility was a great one yes uh, in yeah in terms of helping white people recognize their own whiteness and the influence mm-hmm. of white supremacy Th- our, most recently we did a uh, a few weeks where we looked at the color of compromise, where we looked at the complicity of the church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's
0: written by Jamar Tisby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Jamar Tisby. And that was a really good one. And I think that's a conversation. That's a conversation we're still having. And that's kind of influenced this next phase of things where we're thinking about how we can move forward as a church. So I'm glad we're having that conversation.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, white Christians have oftentimes rejected how much the white church or the church has pushed racism forward and oh, upheld yes. structural racism in America. And that book does a really good job of just calling that out. And yeah. I I have talked about this in sermons that I've done and blog posts that I've written, that it's really hard to move past something if you can't confess it. And I think the color of compromise is a good place for white folks to start confessing and then repenting and repairing um, their complicity and actual like action and upholding um, the structures of racism as as the church.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the nice thing about color of compromise, like we've we've said that like one of the things that like is uber white is um, the nostalgic picture of racism and like kind of leaving that there, like racism racism was done after the civil rights movement. And, mm-hmm. and clearly, it's Adam not
0: that president,
2: right? Um, what I like about Jamar Tisby is he is talking about the church up to the present day. So there's mm-hmm. like there's there's a clear line um, up to present, and another perspective that really um, punctuates that is Drew Hart in his book yes. um, Trouble I've Seen. Drew Hart is going to like you. You can jump from the end of um, Tisby's book into Drew Hart. Um, to hear a personal account of someone who has experienced racism in the church who's still alive. He's a young man, a theologian, very contemporary. So, like, you can hear someone talking whose perspective was probably in Jamar Tisby's book.
1: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could go on recommending books and yeah, documentaries and podcasts and stuff for a little while. Maybe we should provide some recommendations in the show notes here, but, so, but I don't want to hang out on this subject for too long. Sure. I will say that I'm a very intellectual person, so I tend to assume that all of my problems can be solved with books. So like Bethany was saying, like this is a lifelong journey. But also, in addition to like getting knowledge here, I did, do think that if you want to sustainably work toward anti-racism, you are going to have to do some self-examination. Mm. Uh, you're going to have to adopt a certain kind of um you are going to have to have a humility yeah like 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 paul says in philippians in humility value others above yourself not looking Uh to your own interests but to the interests of others like you're going to have to learn to center other perspectives that that are not yours especially because white supremacy has taught you as a white person that your white perspective is the only one that matters and the only one that exists Yep. And, um,
0: and that it should be the first one heard
1: Yeah Are we okay leaving it there? Is there
2: more we want to say?
0: I think no. that's good Yeah. Start the work Karen We right. love you Karen
2: But you gotta get to work
0: We ain't gonna invite you to the cookout ever <laughs> <laughs> gotta
2: work, Karen it's okay You don't I'm get no, don't get no potato either.
0: salad You don't get no sweet potato pie
2: That's right But you and me are going to sit on the sidelines with our like grapes in our potato salad, and watch them have fun. It's okay,
0: and it's okay. You're going to be all right. Yeah, you're going to be all right, Karen. (laughs) (laughs)
1: um okay so the last thing we like to do is talk about what we're into this week uh beth you want to kick us off
0: so i have adopted a terrible fast food habit all of a sudden i usually don't eat fast food but all i have wanted since this pandemic has started is buffalo wings Mm. all i want is buffalo wings and checkers has really good buffalo wings um so that's what i'm into i'm I'm into. You're checkers. real close
2: cool to that checkers too.
0: That checkers is walking distance from my house. I went like three times last week, and then my hip started hurting. Mm. <laughs> so I was like, "Ah, shit!" Wow, you have to
1: checkers so often that you d- that you reinjured your hip. <laughs>
0: No, I wasn't walking. I think my... So usually I kind of eat like an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, So I think that's why my hip was hurting. (laughs) Not because I was walking the checkers so much. (laughs) (laughs) What are you interested
2: in? Oh, I I really enjoyed the second season of Homecoming on Amazon. Um, And I also have been falling hard for the avatar the last airbender since it came out on netflix i have yeah i'm i'm burning through those episodes um i am into a book by nk
1: jemisin uh her book the city we became basically the premise of the book is that great cities get like avatars i know we just talked about avatar but like an like a person that embodies the city and it happens to new york but something goes wrong and, and all five boroughs become their own like person. Um, and they have to fight this like ancient evil that is threatening.
0: This is a fantasy
1: city. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, an urban fantasy. It is. Um, it's really imaginative and interesting. It's kind of like, um, it reminds me kind of, of, uh, of Neil Gaiman's American gods, except with, Mm. with cities, kind of epic and mythic fantasy. It's really good. Um, special thanks to Luke Bartolomeo, our communications manager. And, uh, Also to Jared Selby, who does our theme song.
0: And all of you new listeners, we are so excited to be in community with you. So please be sure to write into us at com because we really want to hear from you. And we really want to hear about how you're navigating the intersections of race, racism, anti-racism, all the isms um, in faith and Jesus following. So with that being said.
1: Hold on a second. This is going to come out on Monday, so let's hit them with the uh, live episode.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: And the Color Correction podcast has been around for a year now, and we are so excited to be hosting a live episode next week um, on Juneteenth which is a holiday that really commemorates the celebration of uh, the liberation of the last Black slaves. Um, So next Friday, June 19th, we're going to be celebrating our one-year anniversary while also celebrating Juneteenth, Black liberation, and the creative arts. We're going to have some visits from some past guests. We're going to have prizes, and we're even going to have a musical performance by one of our favorite Philly musical artist, Brandon Molden. So join us on our Facebook page, Color Correction Podcast on uh, June 19th at 8 p.m. So with that being said, stay black, Little Mermaid.